Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, and joining the show today, we've got Darren Burns in Shanghai. Darren, welcome. Arun, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing really well, yeah. I'm doing well. We've also got Toby Doman joining from somewhere else in Hong Kong. Toby, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Nice to be back. Good. Darren, I saw you were sailing last week, but you also dodged a bullet like Matthew Hayden. <laughs> I, I think, I, yeah, I saw, we, we, some of you might have seen Matthew Hayden's posting in the last couple of days where he kind of wiped himself out on a sandbank off Stradbroke Island, which is in Queensland, my home state. He's looking a bit worse for wear. I, I thought for the, for the first minute when I opened a picture on Instagram that he'd been attacked by a shark. Um, but alas, he, he just stacked a surfboard quite severely. Uh, and of course, he's been getting great mileage out of that this week. We didn't have any accidents or, or near accidents in Phuket. Um, the only accident I had was probably a belly flop off the bow of the boat. So wasn't Matthew Hayden attacked by a shark before? I seem to recall some sort of story where him and Andrew Simons were... <laughs> I, were... I don't know. I'm sure I read something about this a long time ago. that They, they swam from some island off Queensland. Uh, and um, it was shark-infested waters, and it was very dangerous, apparently. What I, what I will say about those two is they've, they've got into a lot of shenanigans together. Um, I'm not sure if they were attacked by sharks, um, but they have been into a lot of shenanigans together over the years. Okay, well, those were the glory <laughs> days of Australian cricket. Let's fast-forward fast to 2018. Um, <laughs> those halcyon days. Yeah, those were the days. So first test has has begun in Dubai, Pakistan. First Australia, Pakistan put up 482 centuries for Muhammad Hafiz, who is on his fifth recall to the Pakistan team, which has got to be a record. I mean, even by Pakistani standards. Uh, a century also for Harris Sahail. Darren, what did you make of the day? Well, I think the first two days they're over now as we record the podcast in the morning, you know, before the third day. Um, I think it, it, nothing is really a surprise. I think before the test match, there was quite a bit of news out of Australia. First of all, about this whole new distributed leadership model where they've decided to have one captain and several vice captains, which I think makes sense. Uh, I think it's it serves the purpose. I think they, they struggled with the VC and the, and the captain before. I think they've tried to spread the leadership around and get people to take ownership of the whole team versus a very hierarchical approach, which I don't mind. Um, and also the other big news was that the batsmen are no longer allowed to shine the ball for the Australian cricket team. Only the bowlers can touch the ball uh, after Newland. So that, that's a bit of innovation there or, or different thinking because, as we know, mostly batsmen shine the ball in cricket. Um especially opening batsmen. What, what's, what's the thinking behind that? Because I know that for other teams, often the, the chief, the shiner in chief is often a batsman. That, that's very true. Well, I think it's just basically taking back the ball, right? Um, and so I think the bowling group with Joss Hazel, Hazelwood as vice captain, I think they want to take more control of the bowling group and make that link into the batting group. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense to me. I'm fine with it. Uh, is it overkill, perhaps? Um, but let's see what happens. Um, look, I, I thought that the first day was interesting. Obviously, Pakistan put on an opening stand of 206. Um, 
with, as you said, Muhammad Hafiz recalled, you know, for the umpteenth time ad infinitum. Um, and he did well. He scored 100. I think he's done well against Australia before. And of course, Imzimam Al-Haq's nephew did quite well to stick around for 80-odd. Um, but I thought the afternoon session, Australia fought back quite well. That, that old workhorse, Peter Siddle, was in great form. I, I think he went for just under two and over. He picked up three wickets in the first innings. He did really well. Um, he looked good. I think Lyon was pretty good as well. But I think they really took after um, the left-arm spinner, which is John Holden. They sort of, every time he came on, they kind of tried to hit him out of the attack. And I think Stark did well as did okay as well. But again, 480, Australia's none for 30 in their first innings. It looks like a, a, a tall hill to climb as we expected. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see much hope for Australia. I mean, we, we, we live in hope, but I think it looks like a Pakistan victory to me. Is, it, is the ball already turning a lot? Well, I think I think what Australia's really missing is a leggy. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think having the variety of left, you know, an, an off spinner that bowls with a right arm spinner and off, you know, left arm off spinner, and then having a bit of a leggy or wrist spinner, it does add a lot of variety, especially on those flatter tracks. I think when you're playing in India, it, it's okay, but I think in these tracks that are a bit flatter and they, they don't break up as much as they do in India, you do need to have, have a bit of variety. And I think Australia doesn't really have that. Um, Yasir Shah looked very, very, very dangerous um, before stumps yesterday, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ran through some of the Australian um, top order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, is it Magnus? Um, he bowls wrist spin for Australia, uh, but he only bowled eight overs. I don't, think he's, well, I, I don't think he's even bowled wrist spin for Queensland before. All of a sudden, they threw in the ball, and he tossed over a few leggies, and he actually looked much better than John Holland, I must say. Um, he took a wicket. He, he, he got a test wicket. Yeah, he took a wicket. Well so I'm wondering if they're going to rush um, Kadir into the side. Um, Kadir, of course, Usman Kadir plays in Australia, and he is the son of that very famous Pakistani spin bowler. He's a leggy as well. Uh, I think he's 25 years old. They might be looking to rush him into the team, perhaps at some stage. Wasn't it Abdul Kadir, you know, Usman's father, who who had who made some comments earlier this year about um, the the, uh, the the white people that were involved in the Pakistan cricket setup. Made his um, yeah his views clear on that. Um, okay, yeah, so interesting. Apparently Usman is, <laughs> and apparently you have to be called Usman to be in the Australian team. That's that's the new rule. So it's either an Usman or a Mitchell. <laughs> so he suits that criteria. Mitchells and Usmans. Excellent. Um, okay, well, it's the third day today. I actually thought Australia did pretty well to navigate thirteen overs. Um, yeah, I did too. It was a bit. I watched it last night. It was I was a bit shaky <laughs> there for a while. Um, look, I think they did quite well to pick up the last six wickets for eighty odd runs in the Pakistan innings. I think that it just got away from them in the first two sessions. And I think you know on these tracks in UAE, if you bat first, it's such a big advantage because that wicket, the, the first, the wicket on the first day was flat as attack. And I mean. It, it tends to be sort of two or three days where it's okay, and then in the fourth and fifth day, it really sort of falls apart a bit. So I think winning the toss and batting and getting a half-decent score is so crucial in these t in these kind of um, pitches. So let's see. Um, Peter Siddle, as you said, a really sterling performance. Um, three for 58 off 29 overs. I, I assume he got the ball to reverse. It also, all accomplished despite the fact he doesn't eat meat. No, he doesn't. 
He doesn't, and that's come in for, for some criticism. Yeah, he's a vegan. Well, that's come in for some criticism from from various old time mustachioed, macho <laughs> Australian cricketers. Well, I think he's a player for the new age, isn't he? He was a bit of ahead ahead of his time, perhaps Peter Siddle, but now his time has come. I think um, <laughs> where vegan where vegan humble people are welcome into the team. Um, He's a fiery character on the pitch, but but I think he, he's never been – he never steps over the line. He's quite a likable guy if you see him interviewed, um, yeah. you know, on the com- on commentary or, you know, he's a decent sort of person uh, and, and he bowls well. So so maybe his time has come and he, he's the right kind of person for the right time. Yeah, he, he always seems to be enjoying himself and you're right. He, he does seem like a really nice guy in the, in the press conferences and so on. Okay, so Australia, Pakistan. Um, how many tests are they playing over there in Dubai? Just the two tests, as always. It seems to be a customary two-match test series in the UAE. And then, of course, they'll play the three T20 internationals after that. So the two tests are basically a warm-up to the... To the so the two tests are basically a warm-up to the t- T20s. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Clearly. All right, so from Dubai, shall we move over to... Well, I guess we will talk about Rajkot in India, the scene of the first test between um, the West Indies and India. Um, nothing especially memorable about this match except for the debut of Prithvi Shaw. Um, yes. He, he came, he sure, he conquered. <laughs> sure, God. That's shocking. Was it? Was that, an, was that a headline from the Times of India or something, was it? Uh, no, that's um, something I saw on Twitter. I'd love to take credit for it. Uh, I, I, he, he, you know, I think Prithvi Shaw is as close to a sure thing as you're likely to see in Indian cricket. <laughs> God. We could go on all day. Yeah. Um, He's kind 18... of the second coming, isn't he? Yeah, second coming, um, obviously from Bombay as well. Uh, in the same mould as Sachin Tendulkar, who was a couple of years younger when he made his debut. 18 years, 329 days, uh, scored an extremely assured century. We have to, of course, caveat all of this by saying this is this was a really atrocious West Indies team. Um, once they lost Jason Holder, who's, who's not playing, I mean, it really looked like they didn't have... struggle to think of a player in there who's who's a test-level cricketer, um, as, as hard as that is to say. Um, but despite all that, you still, you still have to say Prithvi Shaw made test cricket look pretty easy. I mean, uh, he scored 134, better than a runner ball, uh, became the, the third fastest century on test debut, the fastest Indian to score a century on test debut. So many records, second youngest Indian player to score a test century. Um, only three have scored a century on their test debut at a younger age. Uh, third fastest 100 on test debut. I mean, you can just go on and on. He just looked remarkably assured for someone so young. And you, yeah. you, it's hard to, to, to sort of envisage a scenario where uh, he doesn't go from strength to strength. I mean, he, he, of course, he'll have tougher tests, but he really looks very assured out there. Mm, he certainly does. And I mean, I've seen him in the Under-19 World Cup now and watched him a bit in the IPL. And he looks, he just looks right at home at the crease. 
I mean, people compare it to Sachin Tendulkar. I don't think he's a Sachin Tendulkar. You know, he's he's short of stature, but he he looks like he's his own player, and he just looks really calm at the crease. He seems to really belong out there. It's it, it's just you know, Viv Richards had that swagger, right? He um and he looked at home. You know, he, you know, I, I think Sachin had this kind of calm assuredness, and he looked at home. And Prithvi Shaw, he just he looks like he's made for cricket. He just looks like he's out there enjoying himself. You know, he, he gets into the moment and he just looks like he should be, he should have been there forever. And I think, yeah, I mean, you can only play who you're in front of, right? So he's playing against the West Indies in his first test. Probably not a bad team to play against in your first test, if we're very honest. But still, you've got to score the runs. Um, you know, KL Rahul opened with him and was out for a duck from Shannon Gabriel, right? So it, it wasn't a walk in the park. You know, some of the bowlers are okay and he's, you know, stood up head and shoulders. So good on him, young man. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, we've seen many players make their debut and struggle for confidence. Uh, and that was certainly not something that was troubling um, with to be sure. Uh, but yeah, other than that, nothing really, nothing else to say about this match. I don't think it was India's second biggest victory. Um, I mean, they, they were all over uh, West Indies uh, centuries for Virat Kohli. Who really looked? I mean, he batted very slowly, Coley. It almost looked like um, he he was bored out there, um, and, and and he probably was. That, yeah, he, you know, he just kind of took the opportunity to have a really extended net session, um, and then Ravi Jadeja gets his his first Test century, which he's been threatening to do for a while. And yeah, I was going to mention that first Test century, Ravi Jadeja with that ridiculous celebration with the sword. Um, but good on him. Yeah, it's quite a tough celebration to do. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him do it with an actual sword. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next time they should rush the sword out to the middle and he can try with that. That'd be hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say about the rest of the test, is there really? A pretty poor effort from the West Indies. You know, obviously missing a lot of their great players um, that don't play test cricket or don't get picked. Um, so they basically have a second eleven whoever's available kind of thing, not playing county, not playing one of the T20 tournaments around the world. And they sort of put them on the park, which is really a shame. I do like young Hetmeyer. I saw a bit of him bat in the IPL. He looks really good. Um, he didn't really produce the goods in this test, but I think he looks like a player of the future to me. So we'll, we should move on to Sri Lanka next. Unless, Toby, you had anything you wanted to say about, um, about India, West Indies. Well, okay. particularly about young Mr. Shaw, or Master Shaw, should I say. Um, I was just looking into his background. So he spent some time in the UK, actually, in Manchester as a 12-year-old, and apparently he was put into the first team. This was at Cheadle Hume School in the northwest of England. And in three months, he scored just under 1,500 runs, um, despite having to adapt to the climate. And there's a lovely quote here from his coach at the time. And I quote, he constantly looked like any Michelin man because he wore so many jumpers as he could possibly put on, I guess, due to the weather. The food was beyond tasteless for him. He couldn't understand what the point was of a jacket potato. So I think that's a very nice entry to take. <laughs> he, needs to, he needs Mike Gatting to take him under his wing, I feel. You're on about Mike Gatting again. Poor old Mike. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel sorry for Mike Gatting. The great Gat. He's, um, he's, he's a man that... Um, doesn't willingly miss a meal. So I don't, you know, he doesn't deserve our pity. Um, all right, so 
Toby, tell us tell us about. I think we need to discuss the um, the Angelo Matthews versus Sri Lankan cricket affair. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Um, but perhaps before we do that, Toby, tell us about England's preparations um, for their uh, for their series against Sri Lanka. Yeah, it's all happening straight away. It only seemed five minutes at. Um... Five minutes ago, that they were wrapping up the series at the Oval against uh, the Indians, but we're back in that sort of period now between now and Christmas. There's a tour to Sri Lanka, and there's another tour after Christmas to the West Indies. So it's a busy time for for England cricket. And um, the One Day series starts in Dambulla tomorrow, and I think the, the critical uh, thing for England is is obviously the spin department. So Adil Rashid and Moeen Moeen Ali will be critical, and I think. Looking down through the squad, there's a 16-man squad that's been named for this um, five-match five series. Um, Joe Root will probably find himself bowling quite a little bit um, with his useful spin. Um, and then they were looking at some pace attack to sort of support them. So this will be quite a change. When you look at the number of overs of spin bowled in world cricket combined across multiple formats, the majority of those overs are bowled in Sri Lanka and the least, which is about 27% of all overs, are bowled in England. So to, to sort of invert the pyramid, so to speak, to have your frontline bowlers, spin bowlers coming on after maybe the sort of fourth over would be quite hard for the for Rashid and Moen to get their heads around. So interesting conditions. It'll be slippery. There's been a lot of rain monsoon around at the moment in Sri Lanka. So to get to grips with those conditions will be tough, particularly as England's only real warm-up game in Colombo uh, a few days ago was abandoned due to bad weather. So it's going to be a tough, tough test for these guys. Do you think England will play three spinners and bring in Jack Leach? Well, there was talk about um, Dawson coming in as a as a third spinner. Um, I guess they're going to have a look at the pitch of Dan Buller. If it looks like it will be a Bunsen, then they may well pack it in with a third spinner. Otherwise, maybe rely on Root and potentially some, um, I say, raw pace, advisedly, but Mark Wood um, and um, and the young chap from Warwickshire, um, Ollie... Oh God. Ollie Stone. No, no Ollie, Ollie Stone. Pope. That's right. Ollie Stone. Yeah, Ollie Stone. Yeah. So he's. So they'll have a decision yes. to make probably today on having looked at the pitch. Um, but let's see. It'd be interesting. You don't often see three spinners in a in a, an England lineup. You really don't. I'm trying to. I'm struggling to think of, of when that may have happened. And if it is a third spinner, are you saying it's more likely to be Dawson? Believe so. Yeah, that seems to be. Uh, the chat at the moment. Um, Wood is yeah. in line for a recall. Uh, well, this is dependent on the pitch. I think do they give um, Ollie Stone his debut, um, or do they go with a more experienced Mark Wood? It depends. Uh, Mark Wood's obviously broken down a few times with injury. Same goes for Ollie Stone, who I think they're going to have to really wrap in cotton wool because I think they would like him to play in the Test series. Um, and play a part in that. So they need to manage him carefully. So let's see who they go with. I think it's interesting. It's, it's, it's quite a long tour, isn't it? It's almost six weeks. You know, there's five ODIs, you know, the test matches, then the T20s. It's really a long test, uh, a long tour to, to Sri Lanka. I'm quite surprised by it. Um, uh, and I think that, um, you know, Tom Curran keeps putting his hand up to be one of the first bowlers on the team sheet. Do you think he'll get a run, the Currans? Well, the, well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about county championship later. But the the Currens are the, the kind of the brothers in uh, in top form at the moment. You know, they really seem to be adapting well to international cricket, particularly the younger 
um, which has been quite a surprise. Um, but I think I think there'll be no, particularly for Sam Curran, there'll be no swing or very little movement with the ball, apart from maybe on the day night. Um, we haven't done Buller with some dew yeah. around, um, you know, evening time. So it's a real testing place for seamers. And I think without that extra yard of pace that potentially Ollie Stone or Mark Wood have, it can be quite difficult. So without the control of Jimmy Anderson, I think for someone maybe quite less skillful, and I would probably put mm. the currents in that bracket at the moment, it could be a bit of a seamers graveyard. One of the Currens will play at least, for sure, right? Sam Curran, you would think. Yeah, I think he offers more control, doesn't he, than, than maybe his brother. His brother could, potentially can be quite expensive. Um, and he seems to have adapted so well to all forms of cricket. He seems just a natural. We talked about Shaw earlier. You know, people just look like they belong on this particular stage. And I think he's, he's growing into that role. So I, I'd see him playing a role in this series and the test as well. Yeah. Um, did, did any of you guys have a look at this guy called um, Kaminda Mendes? Kamindu Mendes. Yeah. He bowls. Left arm, he's right ambidextrous, arm. So he bowls. Yeah, so he bowled in the same over. Left arm, left arm around. We're getting a right arm over <laughs> in the same, the same over. I think he bowled. He was bowling to Joe Root and to Owen Morgan. It was quite interesting. Sort of cricketing hokey cokey, isn't it? Almost, you know, just just like the way you definitely write it. Yeah, I I wonder which which arm. You know he's better with it's. I mean, it's. I don't think. Have we ever seen a a, a player it's do this? Right, his right arm off spin is his primary skill, and then he developed his left yeah. uh, left arm bowling secondary. Yeah. But it, it looks as good as each each other. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Very interesting. Right. So, Darren, will Angelo Matthews be gracing the Sri Lankan team anytime soon, or uh, is he still working on his running between the wickets? Yeah, apparently he's got the worst, the worst running between the wickets. Um, well, the worst, he's the worst performing runner in, in the world at the moment. They did an analysis on Crick Info. Uh, they went into the, to, to depth and he was, the, he's the worst runner. But apparently he runs his partner out quite a lot. So about 70% of the time he runs his partner out, which is not very nice. I think it's kind of fair in a way because he's, a, he's the finisher. And exactly. Well, I was going to say, make that point. Yeah, so I mean, they've been going back and forth with letters, public letters to each other, which is which is very interesting. I mean, I think Angelo Matthews was captain for about six years until 2017 when he stood back. Um, then they had about five captains in five series. Um, they asked him to come back again to be captain. And he said, you know, I don't want to be captain. They, they convinced him to come back again. So he said, okay. Um, and they seem to have blamed him fairly and squarely for the atrocious performance of Sri Lanka in that Asian Cup. I mean, they really, were thrashed, really by, thrashed yeah. by Bangladesh, thrashed by Afghanistan. Uh, they hang their heads quite low. Um, but it seems a bit harsh. I mean, he has averaged in the last two years, he, he's had the highest batting average, although his strike rate has gone down a little bit. It seems to me that he's been made a bit of a scapegoat for all this muppetry at the uh, Sri Lankan cricket board. So let's see what happens. I don't know if he's in the... Is he on the team sheet to play as a non-captain? I don't think he is. He's out of the squad altogether. Um, they, uh, Chandika Hathurasinghe, of course, who's the coach and a and, uh, very um, experienced Sri Lankan batsman in his day. I'm curious, I'd be curious to look into his run-out statistics. I don't recall Hathurasinghe being the, the, the most lead of, uh, of, of runners out there on the field when he was playing. Um, 
Yeah. But he said running between the wickets is a very big concern for us at the moment for the whole team, not only for Matthews. We want him to get fitter. His average since 2017 is 59, which is pretty good. And he scored 97 against South Africa three matches ago. But there are certain concerns. He's been involved in 64 runouts for 49 times the opposite guy got run out. Um, which, as we've said, is, yeah. is kind of fair because he's often batting with a tail. And I think it makes sense for, yeah. for, the, for the other person to get run out. But then he said something about Matthews not being able to field for 50 overs and bat for 30 overs. I think that what they're really trying to say is Matthews is not fit, carrying a bit of extra timber out there. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he's been hanging out with Mike Gatting at the buffet. It, that's what they're trying to say. Do you think Ravi Shastri joins them every now and then? I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> I think Ravi Shastri looks like he needs a good meal. Um, I don't think he, he, anyone would say he's overweight. But I think just to put that running in context, I mean, if you look at, he, you know, Matthews is in pretty good company with this whole run out thing. So, like Michael Bevan, probably one of the best finishers of all time, was also involved in a, a ton of run outs because he was a finisher, right? He also ran his partner out quite a lot, as did, um, you know, uh, A.B. de Villiers too. So he's in pretty good company yep. there. But what I would say is let's point out that the three safest runners ever in international cricket are Shane Watson, surprisingly, the safest runner ever. Um, only 3.3% of the time he's outrun out. Owen Morgan and Martin Guptill. So there you go. Interesting. Okay. Um, I should just take some issue with your description of Ravi Shastri as someone who needs a meal. Um, <laughs> just, just have a look at some of his recent pictures. I think you, you, may, you may need to, to retract that particular statement. Um, Actually, a, a quick, sorry, I, I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to ask you guys this one before um, we moved on. Who was the, the, before Prithvi Shaw, who was the youngest batsman to score 50 plus in India? Youngest Indian batsman. It's a tough Are you going to say, is it Tendulkar or somebody else? Or is it Ravi Shastri? Uh, it's actually Ravi Shastri. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? A very, a 19-year-old a Ravi Shastri back in 1982 or something. He would have, he would have been very slender back then. He's a good, <laughs> he was a very good player, Ravi Shastri. He did okay in Australia too. He was a very good player and a very young, he was, he was very good at a very young age. I think people forget yeah, he was. when you look at him now and then you forget he actually made his test debut when he was, I think, 17 or 18. Um, yeah, and, and legend. Well, yeah, he was a player that made a lot out of quite limited talent. Yes, that's a very good point. Which always, to me, says a lot about the person, because I mean, he's not a naturally gifted great player, but I think he applies himself very strongly. I mean, with a battle ball, he wasn't a you know the best spin ball you've ever seen. He wasn't the best batsman, but he applied himself day in and day out and got the results. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, he did. It's, um, always admirable to see these yeah. kind of people. And um, he was one of these players that just, I think, prioritised winning uh, above all else as well. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you'd love for some of these qualities to come through in his coaching of the, of the Indian team, but they don't, they don't, they don't necessarily seem to. Um, okay, so England, Sri Lanka, when is the uh, first match, Toby? The ODI is tomorrow in Dambulla, I believe. Tenth. You're correct. 
Um, okay, so that's England, Sri Lanka. And then I think to finish off this podcast, unless we have any other business, probably worthwhile getting some sort of a, re- a review of the England and Wales County Championship, um, which has yeah. concluded, and in fact, only just concluded, I think quite recently, despite the fact we're in October. Crazy. And I think the amount of cricket that's going on We've got the Royal London Cup, the T20 Blast. The county championship is sort of the bookends of the English domestic season. So we've already got an England team in Sri Lanka preparing for a, um, a series. And yet you've got, you know, a wet and windy afternoon late September in Hove with about 12 people watching the final death throes of the county championship. So it's a bit weird. Um, and I think the weather itself has played a real role in making this a bowler's paradise this season. I think just at the top before we move on through this is that I think, you know, for example, Durham were bowled out by a lightweight Leicestershire twice in just over 50 overs this season, you know, because it's mm-hmm. late in the season, it's early, there's been snow on the pitch at Worcester in April. So the, the conditions have been not great for the batsmen. So I guess the bowlers are getting their um, their own back after all the T20 leathering that goes mm-hmm. on the port blighters. Okay. So who won? <laughs> So who so who won? Um, no, I saw in the bowling. I was just looking for the um, the, the most wickets. Um, does it matter uh, who won? Who cares? Um, but I thought it was interesting that this guy there was a guy called Tom Bailey. He got the most wickets, sixty four. Never heard of this guy. Like, why isn't he in contention for England? Is he a you know? Is he a, is he kind of a green top bully or who is he? Exactly. Yeah, he's a classic. Um run in with the seam up and bang it in short of a length and see what happens. So, you know, maybe that's denigrating his skill somewhat. But The classic military medium, <laughs> keeper stands up. <laughs> those guys do really, harsh. they do really well in the county championship though. Those, those guys are, they're the legends really, the Glen Chapels. And, and kind of Mornay Morkel too, I, I think he was the second highest wicket taker at, um, you know, 14... Average of 14 per wicket. I mean, he really got, you know, 59 wickets for the season. Apparently, he was in really good form for Surrey. Yeah, he was good. And, and you, you may say that no one cares, Dan, but Surrey care because they won this year. Oh, they won. For the okay. first time in 16 years. So I, I had a look through the team 10 year, uh, 16 years ago and running through the team sheet, Mark Butcher was captain. This was the last time they won. Mm-hmm. Mark Ramprakash was still playing. Anil Kumble was still in the team. So that gives you a sense of how far back we go before a sorry victory. Wow. It's so strange, isn't it? Because you, you kind of, I remember there was that famous quote where Adam Holyoke compared Surrey to Manchester United. Um, actually, maybe, <laughs> maybe not, you know, not that inaccurate these days, um, given Manchester yeah. United's current travails. But there was a period where Surrey were kind of serial winners in the in the nineties, and hoovered up a lot of the best talent. Um, was it a surprise that they won this year, Toby? Well, I think they were consistent, and if you look at the table, only Somerset really ran them ran them close. And in Dean Elgar, they've had some really good ballast in that middle order, and with Rory Burns now on the. Um, on the tour to Sri Lanka with England. Uh, there are only two batsmen mm-hmm. actually in the whole of the two divisions that made over a thousand runs. Burns, one of them, and Ian Bell was the second. Um, and last year there were nine batsmen with over a thousand runs. So it just shows you how the bowlers have been in, in the ascendancy, I guess. Um, and if you look across the rest of those two divisions, you know, Somerset played very well. They had the, the Overton brothers 
uh, two hat tricks for Craig over t- throughout the season. Aussie Matt Renshaw was an instant hit in Taunton um, after I think they were they they lost out on um, one of the sandpaper chaps um, Somerset, so they brought in Renshaw. Um, and then Worcestershire were relegated, sadly, an inexperienced team. Uh, Joe Clark has been their standout batsman and had been mentioned in dispatches potentially with a, a wildcard trip to Sri Lanka. It wasn't, wasn't to be. And Kent were promoted from Division 2. Joe Denley uh, has been quite deadly with his run combination and bowling. Um, and he's been recalled to England the first time since 2010. So there's been quite a few good performances through there. And one thing I will say, the final final point is retirement. September is that kind of end of, you know, the weather's changing and people have a tear in their eye. And I think the people that had tears in their eyes this year were <laughs> Paul Collingwood, 22 years at Chester Street, finally bows out. Wow, Jonathan yeah. Trott, 900 runs in his final season. Jimmy Adams, Hampshire, Stalwart, and yep. James Foster at Essex. Oh, yes. The only keeper to ever stump Sachin Tandorka in a test leaves after 18 years at Essex. Correct, yeah, but he only played like three tests or something like that. Doesn't matter. That's no, I know. No. Say. Doesn't matter. Jimmy Adams. Wow. Jimmy Adams, wow. the, not, not the West Indian Jimmy. Not the West Indian. <laughs> Yeah, I know that. Okay, but I always, I always get them. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I often get them confused. Jimmy. Um, so tell us about Glamorgan, who came rock bottom of Division Two. Anything to say about the? Uh, oh, yeah. Wales's finest. It's not a good season. Mm. Not a good season in Wales at all. Well, so they've got an external review going on. Um, so Hugh Morris, the chief uh, chief executive at Glamorgan, has ordered a, an external review. Robert Croft is the is the coach. And they've had a terrible season. They were didn't even make the T twenty um, knockout stages. And I think what they've what they've tried to do this season is bring young players through. I think they missed out on quite a few overseas signings that they wanted. And as a result, they've been left with a very, very green squad. I think Usman Khawaja was due and Sean Marsh as well, both injured slash called up. So they've had to rely on these youngsters. And so I think this external review may decide that there's a cosy cabal of former players in there. I think um, Steve James is involved and Matthew Maynard, for example, big legends in Glamorgan. They need some outside resource, I think, to try and shake it up. So I think we'll see changes over the uh, close season. All right. Okay. So that's the county championship. And, I mean, Paul Collingwood, quite a career, really. Synonymous with yeah. Durham cricket. And, of course, uh, what he won the Ashes three times, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah. captained England to their only ever World Cup as well, if I'm World not Cup. mistaken. Yeah. A storied career indeed. Yeah, indeed. Okay. All right. Well, do we do we have a... A full lid, as they like to say, in the uh, in the media world, <laughs> on uh, on cricketing news um, for cricket ultras. Well, I think I think the big news to come out last week too is um, Shane Warne's new book, No Spin. Gosh, <laughs> very yes. very original, very original title yeah. too. Um, what I particularly liked is how he tried to mend fence with um, Steve War by calling Was that Steve mending War. fences. Well. I'm being facetious. Steve Waugh was the most selfish player I ever played with and was only worried about <laughs> averaging 50. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sour grapes. Yeah. And then, warning. Yeah, well, he, he, he said his relationship's never really been the same with Steve Waugh ever after he was dropped by him in, in the West Indies. Um, he had some choice words for Ricky Ponting, 
said it was the worst decision <laughs> he'd ever seen when Ponting decided to put England in at Edge Baston in 2005. Um, and of course, his favourite, John Buchanan, comes in for plenty of criticism as well. Yeah. Um, do, on Wally, do you think he writes his own copy, Darren? Does he write his own books or does someone, someone at uh, the Australian... No <laughs> he definitely has he definitely has a ghostwriter. Well, most people have ghostwriters these days, right? I mean, I'm sure he adds a bit of an invective in there and, and some, you know, extrapolation of stories. Um, he didn't really talk about the all-night sex session, though, in 2005, which was quite funny. But he did say he was drinking all night. He was drinking all yeah. night, apparently, which... Um, that was Trent yeah. Bridge, right? I think. Um, yeah, it doesn't... Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to criticise... I mean, it's, it's easy to criticise other players, but... I mean, Warney's got a lot of skeletons in his closet. I just, you know. Um, I mean, what, what's the what's the reaction to all of this? Do people just kind of take it with a pinch of salt now because it's Shane Warne? Well, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it's entertaining as hell, isn't it? Um, oh, it really you know, is. The sort of juicy yeah. detail, salacious details of, you know, sexual encounters and drinking nights during the, you know, people want to see all that stuff. You know, trashing other players. I mean, it creates a lot of buzz on social media, right? Uh, as you mentioned, you know, he's been the perennial trasher of coaches. You know, he doesn't really hate coaches. What's he going to do? Teach me how to bowl? Um, <laughs> you know, um, he, 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 he's his own man. And, he, you know, he likes to court controversy, right? A bit like Michael Vaughan, you know, he wants to be on the front line and, you know, be in the headlines and he loves the limelight, right? Yeah, not, not the only thing he likes to court. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean the other thing is, too, let's be honest, he was a great player. Um, you know, so he can, yeah. you know, he's, he's been there on the front lines. He, he's done it all and, you know, let him, let him have his piece. And he, he, he does give some good commentary into good insights, I must say. I mean, he was, for example, he's been a big fan of Nathan Lyon, even though Nathan Lyon was getting belted around a few years ago. He was very much on the front foot saying that he was the best spinner around and he needed time and, and it's turned out to be right. They were right. So, you know, he, d- despite all this controversy, every now and again, he has some real gems. Um, probably not as many gems as Harbhajan Singh on commentary. Um, but he's getting there. Well, Harbhajan Singh... Oh, sorry, let's just stick with Shane one quickly. You're right. I think sometimes <laughs> the, the cartoon character, Warren, threatens to obscure the fact that he was such a brilliant cricketer and has such a great cricketing brain. Uh, but in a way, yeah. that, that's his own fault. I do kind of like the fact that he's willing to have a go at some of these kind of Australian heroes. Because I, I think sometimes it can get a bit sanctimonious with the sort of reverence. I mean, there was a great comment where he said, "Why on earth would anyone wear their baggy green to win?" Yeah, it was just it was just that like, it was so embarrassing. You know, and I think yeah, that's kind of true. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think I think that is true. The way that they all fetishized the, the baggy green and went to sleep with it and all that kind of stuff. Um, Harbhajan Singh has been very outspoken about the Indian selectors' communication issues. This has been a story running in India. Um, particularly to do with uh, Karun Nair, who was picked as the reserve batsman for India's tour to England, went to... This is the guy, I remember, who scored a triple century on his test debut. Uh, went to England, um, sat around for every single match, and in the final test, which, of course, is the, the, um, the fifth test, I think everyone was expecting him to play, but uh, instead, India called up another batsman from India who came in and and played instead, and everyone was very surprised by this because Karan Nair had been seen as the next guy 
And Karuna came out and said that uh, no one had said anything to him. The selectors had never spoken to him. Um, and then Murali Vijay came out and said the selectors had never spoken to him about him, him apparently being dropped. And it looks like he has no, no future with the Indian cricket team. And anyway, Harbhajan Singh has slammed this. So what's the protocol? I mean, does the captain or the coach sit down and talk to the player when they're not in consideration or, or being dropped? You'd think with a small touring party, it's pretty easy to have that conversation, right? I think the biggest belief. The, so I think in, in England, I'm sure the captain uh, and and coach would have would have um, just you know they they make the decision on the on the final eleven, right? Uh, so I'm sure there's some conversation with with Karanair about him not being in the final eleven. I think his point was that um, you know he's since been dropped from the Indian squad altogether, so has Murali Vijay, and the selectors have not spoken to, to either of them uh, about that. And he, they since have, apparently. They, they yeah. the, the selector came out and said, oh yeah, we, we've spoken to him now, but it's all a bit late. Um, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little it's, strange. It's hard to believe, right? You score 300 on debut and then you get dropped from the test squad. It just seems bizarre. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the word is that Kohli and... and and Shastri. Don't like him. I don't. I don't, I don't know if it's that they don't like him. I, they don't seem to want to play him. Um, yeah, maybe he's not a yes man. Maybe he's not in the inner circle. Maybe, maybe he needs to become yeah. someone's ballot. He needs to become someone's ballot. <laughs> he needs to hold someone's <laughs> mobile phone. Robbie's ballot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, what a life that would be. Um, yeah, it would be. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean. I think he didn't he didn't cover himself in glory in the test matches after the triple century. So, you know, I'm not sure he's a, he's a huge loss to the team, but it's a bit strange that someone who scored a triple century can't get a look in. Um So anyway, An embarrassment of riches. Well, I don't know about that. I, I'm not sure. I think um I mean India just piling on runs for fun at home these days. So Kind of, this triple, this triple century is there for the taking. I can't wait for the Australia tour. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. All right, so I think that's pretty much all we have time for today on Cricket Ultras. Um, so thank you very much to both of you, to Darren and Toby. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back soon. And leaving, and leaving reviews, please. It helps us. Actually, we got we got another review on Facebook. Five stars. Thank you very much to whoever that was. Yeah, well done, well done, well done. D- us. D- dinner with Arun. Dinner with Arun in Hong Kong is still open um, to the best uh, comments. So, d- din- dinner with Darren in Hamilton, New Zealand. I think is the, is the big prize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thanks, everyone.